Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 185 of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He is Justin in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, Justin, it's been a while. It has. It's been a while. You remember that song? It's been I, a while. I do, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's, well, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate for everybody. Uh, it's been a while. We, we didn't do an episode during the week. It wasn't possible. Yeah. Um, but we're back. And we've got lots of days off. Finally, this team hasn't had a fucking day off. Uh, they've had one day off out of 31. Uh, so lots of built-in excuses. Hey, tomorrow's life. a day off. That's true. Yeah, I'm really happy Fuck, that it is. Finally. Uh, tough, tough stretch of games. We'll talk about all that. Yep. Uh, and, and we are going to do the farm report today. I'm very excited to talk about players that I think should be playing right now in Major League Baseball, players who uh, have overachieved. Um, just give me your, like, snap reaction, though. Here we are. We're, uh, what, what would it be? One-sixth? Of, no. Just about a fifth. About a fifth of, let's just say, for saying sake, we're a fifth of the way through the, the, the season. How are you feeling? Um, the Blue Jays are lucky to be alive. Yeah, I mean we're above, we're four games above 500 right now, and uh, honestly, by most advanced statistics, we should not be. Yeah, we should be about 14 and 16. Unless you're the Seattle Mariners every year, you don't finish above 500 with a negative run differential, but somehow they do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good pitching is how they did it. Um, but here we are. Tough week if you're a Jays fan. A yeah. lot of tough losses to swallow. Uh, we're going to talk about all of them briefly, but mostly we're going to, you know, wrap about the farm team. Mm-hmm. What we want to talk about. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, follow us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Go ahead and DM or tweet us your questions. Uh, we have a lot of great fans on Twitter, so shout out to them. Uh, keep tweeting at us. Uh, there's some funny shit out there in Blue Jays Twitter. Um, we're on Anchor, Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Find us at bfmdpodcast.com. That's our website. It's pretty cool. Um, thanks for taking the time to listen to the episode, guys. Once again, uh, we have really cool people who are a part of the community. Keep doing this. Uh, we love to read it. So let's just get right into it. Let's just plow our way, Justin, through yeah. uh, these six games because I can already taste the diarrhea. Uh, so just to avoid any counting, the Jays went 2-5 and five in this seven-game stretch. They lost their first series of the season against the Yankees. Like a series of the, they lost more games, and then they also lost 3-1 to one to the Guardians as well in that series. Um in the Yankee series, though, one thing I do want to highlight was the starting pitching. Game one, they got four innings of two-run run ball from Stripling. Game two, they got six innings of one-run ball from Alec Manoa. Game three, they got six innings of one-run ball from Yusei Kikuchi, his first quality start as a Blue Jay. Um, they won only one of those games, and it was the third game. It was a score of 2-1. to one. The other games finished as a 9-1 to one final. Uh, the Yankees. So after Manoa went six innings, the Jays managed to give up eight runs in the final three innings there. 
and in game two, or in game one, they lost three to two. So the only two runs that Stripling game up, gave up, uh, the Yankees managed to get one more run in five innings off the bullpen. But the Jays scored five runs total in that series. So you're not going to win too many games when you when you put up five runs over three games. In fact, you're lucky to win one of those games. Yeah, that, that was really the story of the series. It's just the fact that the Jays couldn't scrape any runs across. And to their to their credit. Outside of the nine runs that the Yankees scored in the second game, they scored three in the first and one in the third. So the Jays pitching, for the most part, did a good job. It was just that second game where there was a huge oofda by the bullpen, and it was Adam Simber, of all people. Um, two of the runs he gave up were unearned. He did give up three runs, but Bo Bichette and Ramel Tapia combined for throwing errors in that game, which led to a couple of unearned runs. Julian Merriweather didn't record an out and gave up three earned runs on three hits. And then Andrew yeah. Vasquez, who was back in AAA, gave up two runs in his inning. So it was just a, a real series of unfortunate events in that, in that second game. But that was really the difference in the series, was just inability to score runs. Yep, there's no other way to put it. Uh, it was really tough. That Losing the, uh, the first game, I think, was uh, just that was a tough... For me, anyway, from my perspective of this yeah. entire week, losing that first game against the Yankees, uh, that sucked. But going mm. one for eight with runners in scoring position, uh, that'll do it. That'll that'll do it. Uh, another disappointing performance from Jimmy Garcia uh, led to an L. Uh, the nine to one game. There's lots. I know lots of people complain about the umpires and stuff like that, but. Uh, the umpires don't make throwing errors. Yeah. Um, Trust Timber me, is, I know. <laughs> Timber is making more mistakes on the mound, and that's starting to concern me. But, yeah, yeah the 2-1 uh, win was fun. It was cute. You know, Guerrero celebrating at the end of it, and lots of Yankees fans were just so salty uh, about it. Whatever. Go cry into your championship rings that you didn't earn yourself. Um I don't know, man. The Guardians are better than people think. I'm not even gonna. I don't even want to look at this shit. I'm not gonna bother. <laughs> this was a this was a tough week, man. The doubleheader yeah. could have gone better. Yeah, it was um, a tough series. There were just a lot of situations again. Like game one, they lost six to five. They were one for ten with runners in scoring position. Cleveland was four yep. for eight. There's the difference in the game there. Also, the fact that they made Aaron Savaldi, a guy who came in with a uh, ERA over ten, look good. They did get four runs off of him, but they also struck out eight times and didn't draw a single walk. Uh, yeah. Brios, Brios was not good. He struggled. It was raining that, like drizzling that whole game, but Brios just didn't have his command. He was leaving everything out yeah. over the middle. I was watching that one, and he was missing everything to the arm side. It's just like he would try and throw a ball inside to a left-handed batter, and it'd just be right down the middle every time. Yeah, the trainer um, went out and and talked to him, and I guess it, it must have been a mechanic issue or pitching in that. Re- the yeah. weather was just brutal. It was it was pretty crappy on Thursday. I was surprised that they they played the game. Um, it didn't rain that much during, but just yeah. the fact that the the way the weather was looking, I didn't think they were even going to start it. But they also knew that it was supposed to rain on Friday, and that game did get postponed. So they didn't want to have to do two double headers <laughs> on back to back days. I'm not sure if they can even do that in order the CBA. Um, but yeah, it was a rough go for Brios. He, he went four and two-thirds, which they pretty much just left him out there. 
because they needed to get some innings. And uh, he gave up eight hits and six earned runs, walked one, didn't strike out a batter, and gave up one home run to Stephen Kwan with uh, with one batter on. So, yeah, it was a it was a a brutal way to start a series. The Jays tried to make it interesting. They did score three runs in the final four innings to make it a six to five final. Vladdy hit a home run in that game. Bo had three hits in that game. Espinal had a couple, but it was just that one for ten with runners in scoring position where they just. They just couldn't get anybody around, which is a theme of the season. Yep, big sad. Today's game was disappointing. Um, yeah, imagine especially, especially after know, like you you split the doubleheader on Saturday and like yeah, the first game you're feeling great, you win eight to two and then or eight to three and then you lose eight to two, <laughs> and then you have to play and then the last game you have to play just to get a split from from the for, team just so you can team go three was... and four for the week. It yeah. Was like, oh shit, that's bad. And that's right. Um, <laughs> and then the bullpen pooped, pooped the bed. A very rare poor performance from Simber and Mesa. Yeah. Together. Yeah. Mesa really gave unfortunate. Up the yeah. I mean, it's gonna happen. It's just that it happened on the same in the same game. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, I, I don't. I was, I wasn't watching. I was, I was on the ball diamond umpiring today, so I didn't see Manoa's five innings. But I see he threw ninety-five pitches over five, so I can assume there was a lot of long at bats. Yep. Um, uh, you get five hits and a walk. So it's not like he was getting shelled. Yeah, I walk Ramirez. Um, oh, that's fair. <laughs> I would it's too. Tough. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> the Cle- the Cleveland, their lineup is no joke. Their batting average is much higher than the Jays. Yeah, their OPS uh, is looking across the border just a little bit higher at most spots in the batting order too. So. Yep, they're just a. In my opinion, they don't right strike out a ton. In my opinion, right now, the Guardians are a better team. Yeah, and I'm not saying that like the Jays are going to lose every single one of their final 132 games. I'm saying right now the Jays are, their approach at the plate is not working. Some of them are hitting okay. Some of them are coming on. Bo has improved his average. Um, but they had a chance to make this a six to nothing ball game before the top of the first was even over. And all they could do is scratch across two runs courtesy of uh, Teoscar and Endes single. It was fucking pathetic that there were the bases were loaded with one out i think because kirk took a walk yeah and that chapman strikes out as he did four times today yeah sombrero uh not the first time i think he's gotten the sombrero this year either um and then espinal popped up uh fuck you just can't win like this game should have been put to bed uh, in the first inning and they blew it just like they've blown many opportunities to score many, many runs early in a game and get on cruise control. Uh, they accomplished it in game one of the doubleheader, but they failed miserably today, and the better team won. The Guardians were the better team today. It sucks. We just have to deal with it. There's a lot of work that has to be done when it comes to uh, the approach at the plate. Uh, we had an interesting conversation before we started talking, uh, or we started recording, about who to blame. Uh, and I incorrectly assumed that it would have been the hitting coach. But the fact is that the hitting coach isn't the one who's swinging the bat. <laughs> and no matter how many times Guillermo Martinez says, take your pitches. Yeah. If it's out of the zone, don't fucking swing at it. Yeah. You and can I only mean... say that so many times. And, and looking into like deeper into the box score today too. Obviously, didn't watch the game, but 
the Jays had 10 strikeouts. Four of them were Matt Chapman. Two of them were Teoscar Hernandez. So the other seven people in the lineup only struck out four times combined, besides those two guys. But so still, Chapman had the opportunity to put this game to bed, and all he could do was just fan at pitches yeah. that were like an inch out of the zone away. And yeah. it's like, this is what he's done all year, and that's why he's not even hitting his weight right now. He's yeah, 200. he's hitting 200 even right now. So congratulations, Matt Chapman. You're a Mendoza hitter, I guess. Yeah. But holy but, fuck. But again, man, like like I also said before the show, like uh, a guy goes four for four in a day and it still raises his batting average 30 to 50 points. So It's absolutely true. I'm just saying, Ollie, like, look, how earlier in the week we were applauded for being so good in one-run games. You know how many one-run games we lost <laughs> this week? Three or four. Three. Yeah. So it, it it that's how it goes. Like sooner or later the the ship turns around and you're either on the good side or the bad side. And the Jays are on the bad side of these one run games now after being on the good side so often earlier in the season. But you're you're starting pitching or your pitching staff when they give up four runs as they did today, you still expect to win a lot of games with this team. But the fact remains that they scored uh, I think it was like twenty four runs or something in these seven games in this past week an average of just over three like a three and a quarter runs a game about you're not going to win a lot of major league baseball games when you score three runs yeah it's also worth noting too not to throw salt in the wound the yankees had a double header against texas today uh they won the first game two to one there you go one run win yep. uh and right now they're in the middle of playing the second game uh, it's just frustrating we're losing all of our, our chances to do something. Uh, 132 whatever. games it's, left. It's thir- Yeah, 132 games are left. We're still four games above 500. We've got a lot. Our strength of schedule is a lot weaker uh, than it was the first 30 games. We yeah. weathered the storm. We said that 20 games in 20 days was going to be difficult. Turns out it was. We ended up finishing, what was our record? Uh, 11 and 9 in the 20 games or something like 11 that? 11 and 9 or 12 and 8, I think. Yeah, something like that. Either way, that's a huge accomplishment. Going 10 and 10 was, I think, what we said was the minimum. Yeah, and they, they had a great first 10 games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they 10, just, not it was so just much. a rough, a rough slide. You, and if you're out there breathing out of your mouth and blaming Charlie Montoya for these losses, you're just, you're wrong. Yeah. Not swinging the bat. The only, the, the, only, the only thing to blame right now is just the inability of, of scratching across uh, runs. Like, they just, you can't, yeah. you can't do anything <laughs> about it. And, 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 like, you can't blame the manager, the general manager, for injuries either. Like, Teoscar Hernandez was out for three weeks. Danny Jansen's been out for about three weeks now. Um, yeah. You've had to rely on guys like Tapia. And you had Bradley Zimmer in there getting a grand total of two hits, which were a home run and a bunt single. Um, Let's talk about Bradley Zimmer. Why? Um, <laughs> we'll what's get the, to it. What's the point? <laughs> he was brought on with the idea that he and uh, Ramiel Tapia were going to compete for that fourth outfielder position, a position that was previously occupied by Randall Gritchick. Of course, everybody knows Gritchick is, is doing great in April, as he always does. Um, right now, Bradley Zimmer is batting 0.75 with a 119 OBP and a 2.69 OPS, mm-hmm. which is 
definitely the worst on the team right now. Yeah, and worth noting too, his expected batting average is only one twelve, so he should have like one extra hit than he does. Yep, uh, he strikes out uh, an alarming amount. <laughs> out of his forty at bats, nineteen of them have ended in strikeouts. Half the strikeout rate is just a shade under fifty percent. Forty five point two. Forty five point two, which is alarmingly high. Yep. Uh, at some point, you have to say, is it worth it to call up a different player to have them play? Instead, regardless of what his defensive output is, you need to score runs to win ball games. And when you've got a player who is a black hole in your lineup, he can't turn the lineup over. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't turn the lineup over. No, not once. <laughs> he has three hits and 40 at-bats, one home run and one RBI that helped win a game. That's great. That's terrific. But since then, nothing. Yeah. One hit. It's just it's not enough to justify a roster spot. And the thing is, I think they're actually just hesitant to call up anybody in AAA uh, to, to come up and, and log, some, uh, log some innings. But the good news is that Teoscar Hernandez is back, which I think is something that we didn't really, we should have been excited about from the start. But because uh, he was the 27th man yesterday, which meant he could only play in the second game. Uh, and then today, he did he, he got us those two runs, so I'm happy about that. Um, he went one for four with two strikeouts. That's Teoscar Hernandez. Um, he just got back from an injury. I'm really not prepared to criticize him for one game where he did drive in two runs. Just, it's frustrating when you've got him and Tapia. And Tapia, like a week and a half ago or whatever, we were praising him because he was hitting about 250. He was overachieving. And now his he, he's starting to come back down to earth where everybody thought he would hit, which is less than 220. Adequate defense. Very that's, fast around the base pass. That's not where everybody thought he would hit, though. He's a career 270 hitter. Well, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's hitting 50 points below his career average. Yep, as are a lot of so, Blue Jays right now, so Patrick. Is, so is Boba Shed. I mean, yeah, he's not the only one. It's, I'm not just... Tapia and Zimmerman were supposed to compete for that fourth outfielder position, and right now both of them, I don't want them in the lineup at all, regardless of who's hurt. Tapia's expected batting average is 286, by the way. Again, just another yep. guy where balls haven't been finding holes. Bo's the same way. Bo's expected is 297 right now. So yep. It's but, it, sooner or later, just like the just like how the Jays have had the the one run games turn on them. Sooner or later, the balls are going to start finding holes for this offense too. That's absolutely it's true. Just, that's why I they play 162 games. Right now, it's frustrating. But the sun will shine on us again, and it'll be soon. Uh, let's preview the next two games, because I'm tired of being Mr. Yeah. Negative. So the Jays get an off day tomorrow on Monday, finally. And a scheduled off day, not a rained-out game. And then on Tuesday, they're going to be in New York and the Bronx for two games. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi is going to face Luis Severino in the first game. Kikuchi, of course, is coming off of the quality start against New York. This will be his third time pitching against the Marotti this season. Um, so that's going to be something to note is how the, he and the Yankees make adjustments after he was great against them in his last start. And then on uh, Wednesday, it's going to be a day game 
uh, 12.35 Eastern time. Jose Brios is going to look to rebound after his shaky start in Cleveland. Uh, he'll be up against Jamison Tyon, who was good against the Blue Jays last week out in, in Rogers Center. So it's interesting two-game series. The Jays have only seen Severino once, and it was back at the beginning of the year. I think he did decent against them. Can't remember, really. Too long ago, too many games. But um, it'll be interesting to see how the Jays adjust after a day off of actual rest and hopefully come out and get the offense rolling in the Bronx. Yeah, we uh, we need a split. We need a split out of those two games. Um, you say Kikuchi, it's worth saying this, and I, I did say it on Twitter, and I said it before we started recording. It's kind of interesting to me how you say Kikuchi has a quality start against uh, arguably a better team than the team that roughed him up twice, but also happens to be the team that has scouted him more than any other team in Major League Baseball over the course of the last multiple years that he was with uh, Seattle. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with Kikuchi. I think the problem is he does need to trust his fastball more, and he needs to lay off the cutter um, because it was just scouted to death by those teams in the AL West. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I what a surprise! It'll be interesting to see the adjustments both teams make. Um, despite the delusion uh, that I've seen come out of some of Yankees' Twitter, these teams are a lot closer in talent than their records indicate. The Yankees are overachieving right now, and it won't continue. They're not going to win 130 something games. Sorry to burst the bubble. I'm really excited, actually, to see what Luis Severino has in store. Because we didn't see him the last time. No. Did we? Nope. Interesting. I'd like to see how he scouted. I'm not scared of Jamison Tayon at all. And I think Jose Barrios, uh, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, the Brios, the Brios stuff, I could go into it a little bit more. But I want to talk farm report. But... Uh... Yes. We'll see what we'll see what Brios does in this in this start, and if it's not so good, we'll do a deep dive <laughs> next next show. We'll probably well, record on the off day. I'm about to imagine so the Jays have another off day after these two games before they go to Tampa for three. So we'll be able to do some more deep diving on that next episode. I'm very excited to discuss. Um, hold on, let me bring this up. I'm the excited to talk about the farm. This yeah. is where we're at. Triple A, give us the update, Justin. For sure. Uh, how, how are the How are the Buffalo Bisons doing? So they're currently sixteen and fourteen, which is good for fourth in the International League. The leaders being Jacksonville and Rochester, both at eighteen and twelve. It's a pretty tight division. It's a pretty tight league so far in the East Division. Um, the Bisons have benefited from some good offense, uh, but they're also giving up quite a few runs as well too. There are a few players that I want to highlight. Some of them are big prospects, and some of them are guys who people should pay attention to. Um, we'll start with Gab Moreno, just because he's the number one prospect in the organization. Uh, obviously, people know that he's a catcher. <laughs> he's in the top 10 in Major League Baseball prospects right now. Depending on what list you look at, he's anywhere from like 7th to, I think, 15th in some places even. Uh, he's played in 18 games for the Bisons so far, 67 ABs, hasn't hit a home run yet, 
but is hitting just under 200 at 299 or just under 300 at 299 with an OPS of about 720. The power just hasn't really been there yet. He's got 20 hits, but only five of them have gone for extra bases. 15 RBIs though, which is kind of... Yeah, he's driving in runs, um, struck out 14 times and walked five so far. He got a little bit of a later start just because he was delayed getting to spring training, so they kept him back for a bit. So he's only been with the Bisons for just over two weeks. Uh, so a little bit of a uh, late start to the year for him, so not really looking too much into that. Next time we do a farm report, maybe end of May or something, we'll do another another month basically. We'll kind of see where he's at there. I'm sure we'll see the power numbers coming around. I'm sure, as people know, he came off of the, the broken hand last year when he got hit by the pitch, so probably still getting that power back. I don't know if people know this, but hands are really important to gripping a baseball bat, so just... <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. But, yeah, nothing too much to read into in Mourinho yet just because there hasn't been a ton of uh, ton of game action. Tell me about Jordan Groshen so far. Yeah, similar story. Uh, Groshen's ended up uh, having a bit of an injury. I can't remember exactly what it was for, but he actually played a couple of games. He played a handful of games with Dunedin. And then he's been with Buffalo for the last uh, basically week and a bit now. He's only played seven games with Buffalo. With Buffalo, he's hitting 348. He is uh, eight for his first, I guess, 23 plate appearances. He's walked three times and struck out only twice. No home runs for him yet either. But uh, the fact that he's off to a pretty hot start there is, is, is good news. He's likely to play most, if not all, of this season in AAA. I can see him getting a look with the Blue Jays if Espinal or Bichette were to miss any time. That might be the time where they maybe turn to a Groshans to come up. Um, defensively, Patrick, he has been playing shortstop and third base so far, as he's got a few games at DH as well, too. He's played five games at short and three at third so far, so they're kind of playing him on that left side of the diamond. So a Chapman, a Bichette, or an Espinal goes down. And you could see a guy like Groshans come up. I think he is still probably a year away, just because we have so much depth. Yeah, I, I ideally I think he plays the full season at AAA for the for his development, because they give him everyday playing time. Uh, lets him hopefully put together the rest of the season healthy. Yep see what he can really do over the course of a triple a season and then depending how the off season goes with roster changes he could be a guy who gets a look next year yeah you excuse me uh you want all these young players to get as many at bats as possible which is why they don't just call up gabriel moreno when danny jansen was injured i know a lot of people were like give me gabriel uh, and all of that, but they already had other catchers within the organization that they could call upon yeah. to fill the gap. Uh, and while Zach Collins isn't, I, I would not put him on a list of the best pitch framers in the world. Um, the bat is adequate. I mean, he was super hot. Now he's ice cold, but like, yeah, you know, the whole team is cold, so I'm not going to get mad at him. <laughs> but Mourinho needs as many at bats as possible in triple a in order to get him up to speed he's not ready for the show just yet yeah and why rush it he's only 22 um what about logan warmoth 
Yeah, so Warmoth's a guy that I've always had kind of kept my eyes on just because of the fact that he was a first-round draft pick of the Blue Jays uh, back in 2017, 22nd overall. He was originally drafted as a shortstop, Patrick. He's 26 years old now, 6 feet, just under 200 pounds. Uh, he's put together a couple of good seasons in the minors. His first year was great. He hit 302. Since then, he hasn't had a season where he's hit above 220 or 250, I guess, really. Last year in Buffalo, he hit 228. He's off to a hot start this year, though. He's hitting currently 282 with an OPS just under 900 at 899. He's got a couple of dingers. He's walked 14 times. He's struck out 14 times. He's stolen six bases in seven attempts. He's got a 420 on base right now. Um, eight doubles to go along with those two homers. So he's off to a really good start. Primarily playing the outfield now. Um, he's played six games and left. Two in center, twelve in right, and a couple at DH. So he's completely they've completely kind of abandoned the infield approach as they did last season as well when he only played in the outfield. So he's looking to kind of reinvent himself as an outfielder. And so far to start the year, he's off to a great start. Can so, I give you the old advanced stat Andy question? Give me the That's advanced stat Andy up question. Multiple times. Here it is. Uh, I'm an advanced stat Andy, so I, I just like I read stat lines and that's that's the only way that I judge a player. Yeah. Uh, hi. Uh, how you doing, Justin? My question <laughs> for you today is, uh, why not call up Logan Wormuth and insert him into the lineup and designate Bradley Zimmer for signing? I can't say that's a bad idea. Um, nothing in his profile to me suggests that he wouldn't be a better option than Bradley Zimmer right now. I do think he's capable of hitting better than 075. In the big leagues, he's not as probably is not as good of a defender as Zimmer, based on the fact that he hasn't played his entire career there. But he's yeah. fast. We we see him like he steal he steals bases. So we know he's got some speed. He has yet to make an error this season, although it's only been like 120 innings that he's played in the field. But still, that's good as an outfielder. He only had a couple errors last year. Um, and nothing in his advanced profile from the advanced stats that we get. We don't get a ton of advanced stats on minor leaguers, but his BABIP is actually lower than it was last year. So What's the fact BABIP that he's right now, three twenty-seven, which three ten, three twenty is about average. It was three forty-seven last year. He does make a good contact. Like he, he he's been traditionally a pretty hard hitter. Uh, a lot of line drives. He's, he's only the highest uh, career amount of home runs he's had in the minors is nine, which was last year. So he's not going to hit for power for you. But he's a guy like even last year when he hit two twenty eight, he had a three fifty on base. He's he's going to strike out, but he's going to take some walks as well too. And when he gets on base, he's a threat to steal. So I I think that a guy like him who he's played all three outfield positions this year, Patrick. I think he's better than a Zimmer at this point. That's about what I expected to hear. And you'll understand why I asked this question as we continue yeah. this exercise uh, throughout the farm report. Let's move on though to uh, Nathan Luke. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> yeah. So Nathan, Nathan Lucas was a guy who was with the team in spring training. They actually gave him a lot of playing time. I think, uh, if they wouldn't have gotten outfielder back for Randall Gritchick, this is a guy who could have potentially broke camp with the team. He's another lefty bat. So that's that's the reason that I say that. He does throw right-handed, but he's a 27-year-old outfielder. 
bats left, throws right. He has um, never played in the, in the bigs at all. He's been in the minors since 2015. He was originally drafted by Cleveland in the seventh round back in 2015. Wow. Yeah, he's from Portland, so he's a West Coast guy. But uh, his last couple seasons in the minors were great. He was with the Tampa Bay system last year. He played for Durham in the International League. So the Jays and like the Bisons got to see him a lot last year, so the Jays would have been able to scout him heavily. He hit 303 last season. That's uh, really good. And just under 300 at-bats. We know the minor league season was shortened last year. Um, yeah, 808 OPS. He's off to a hot start this year again. Another guy who doesn't hit for power, though, so that's the thing. But he's hitting 317 right now and 104 at-bats. 2016. How is, he, how is he in the outfield? Good question. So defensively, he does play just like they're doing with Warmoth. He's played everywhere. He's played four games in left, 12 in center, and eight in right. He has uh, made one error. Uh, that was in center field. He does have an outfield assist from center field already as well this season. But yeah, it's hard to say. Like I, I don't have a. It, he's never had a season where he's made more than two errors since 2018. So. Um, I guess three errors, excuse me. But like he's he's doing pretty well out there by all accounts. Um, he's he's fast as well too. He's got seven stolen bases and eight attempts this year. So there's some speed there, and the fact that he's a lefty bat, like him and Warmoth, to me, I'm really confused as to why they haven't designated Zimmer for assignment to clear up a forty man spot for one of these two guys. Ah, uh, you. You buried the lead on me. That was my next question. <laughs> Sorry. Is why, why not bring this guy up over Bradley Zimmer? I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know I'm, either. I'm I'm really it's it's almost to me it's like the whole like they gave Socrates Brito the runway and they gave Alan Hansen the runway that season. They gave Derek Fisher time to to be a complete fuck up for so long, right? It's like you you never know like a guy like the guy could all of a sudden just something could click and he could be hot for three weeks. He could be like what Zach Collins was for those two weeks and just be like a world beater. And now being Zach Collins is hitting like 220 now. So it's yeah. just like, you know, you just never know with a guy. They did that with Anthony Alford too, right? They tried to give him all the chances. Guys who are good athletes and have power like Zimmer and like Alford did, like Zach Collins does, like Jose Bautista did. Bautista clicked, right? So you just never know when you're going to have a guy click. And that's I think that's why they're so hesitant to just dump Zimmer. Because then like, they traded Anthony Castro away, who's a mediocre relief pitcher, but you, you you got nothing for him and you have to fill from within, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I think that's the hesitation. Yeah, I understand the logic behind it. Let's talk about the guy that <laughs> I wish was getting yeah. a shot right now on this team. Yeah. He is 23 years old. He can play second base, but he can also play the outfield. So there's mm-hmm. utility. Uh, number 88 for the Buffalo Bison, Samad Taylor. Samad Taylor, I, I'm sorry, I'm taking this one right to the house. Uh, the California native, he is five home runs and 20 RBIs, along with 12 stolen bases, with a slash of 239, 355 OBP, and an 822 OPS so far this season. Um. This guy has done everything that's been asked of him. He's hitting 229. He's hitting 239, sorry. Oh, sorry, yeah. Um, great year last year in New Hampshire. Great slash line, 888 OPS. He's got power. He's got speed. Uh, he can 
do whatever it is you ask of him. Um, the downside with him, I think, from what I can see here, is that he uh, is just not hitting for average. It's just a tick too small. His strikeout rate is, oh, you know, 24, 25. Yeah, I think, for, I think for him so far, Patrick, is it's just... Uh... It's the the average. His BABIP is very low. You'll, if you look down to the advanced stats, like it's two sixty two right now. It was three ninety four last season. That's why a lot of scouts weren't super high on him because he did get pretty lucky last year. The good news is that he's hitting for more power now, right? And like you said, he's got five dingers already. Yeah, so. he's he's got the exact skill set we would look to have a player. He's like. To me, he's like Lourdes Gurriel Jr., but he hasn't put it together at the plate quite enough yet. Yeah, um, he's got his. That close, being though. said, Gurriel is struggling, uh, which is <laughs> uncharacteristic of him. And Samad Taylor is also kind. Well, I wouldn't say he's struggling. I would take his slash. Uh, it's pretty strong. It's about what we would expect Kevin Biggio to be doing. Um, if he wasn't, you know, on the IL. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think Samad Taylor is going to be appealing trade bait to another team, given what he has demonstrated uh, over the last year and a half in the minors? Or do you think he's a good candidate to be called up uh, when the inevitable happens to old Yeller on our team and he is taken out behind the barn uh, and put out of his misery? It's tough to say. Like, I mean... In, in my personal rankings, I've got Samad Taylor behind both Warmouth and Lucas. Mm. Um, with the reason being that I I don't... I haven't fully bought in on Taylor's power surge yet. I think I need to see him do what he did last year again. Yeah. This year. It's great. Like I, I, I hope that it's real, and I, I, and I, and I think that it is, but I need to see it over another full season. Like his yeah, OPS shot up like two hundred points last year over the year before. It's a lot. And that being said, Warmoth is also three years older, and Luke is four years older. So yeah. these guys are—they've pretty much been seasoned to the point where they—it's probably diminishing returns in the minor leagues. Like eventually, you either make it or you don't. And I think Warmoth is pretty much at the end of his runway. And Lucas was kind of a toss-in anyway. So, yeah, it's yeah. going to be one of those two who takes that, that spot of the fourth or fifth. I don't know how you how you think about it, outfielder, at this point. Um, tell me about Adrian Hernandez. Yes. What do we this, got out of him? This is the guy that uh, should be in the bullpen sooner rather than later. I think that he would be a better option than some guys that we've currently got lighting up the dumpster. Um, <laughs> interesting guy. Like this is a Blue Jay uh, signing. He's from Mexico. Um, he played with the DSL Jays back in 2018. He played with Bluefield in the old Appalachian League in 2019. Then of course there was no 2020 season. So when 2021 comes around, he starts in Dunedin. Only pitches nine games there. Then ends up in New ends up in Vancouver in Class A advanced pitches twelve games there uh, to a one eighty eight ERA and then he ends up getting a promotion to New Hampshire before the end of the season and throws ten games there 
uh, and has a 2.30 ERA, um, all with an insanely good strikeout to walk ratio. His total line last year is 108 strikeouts to 28, 29 walks in 62 wow. innings. So he's almost striking out two batters per, or he's striking about a batter in 1.6 per per inning, basically. <laughs> Which is Still pretty good. Only, only 22 years old, even though yes. he's been with the club now for four seasons. Yeah. And you'll only notice that we're 22. talking and we're talking about Buffalo right now. So he's in AAA. Uh, yeah. yeah. He did start the season with New Hampshire, but only pitched three games there. Ended up getting a call up to Buffalo, probably due to the fact that the Jays were pilfering through Buffalo's bullpen for a while there. So, yeah, yeah, pulling up Casey Lawrence. And yeah, Casey others. Lawrence and all those other guys and Sosato and... The bus was kind of going back and forth. But he's pitched six games in Buffalo, Patrick. Six innings, ten strikeouts, two walks, no earned runs allowed yet. He's only He hasn't given up a hit yet in those six innings. What's his stuff like? Uh, he, he, th- he throw hard. I don't have exact velo rankings, but when he was in Dunedin last year, he was throwing, like, high 90s from the right side. This he's... might be a guy... Who I know a lot of people have been clamoring about this on Twitter mm-hmm. about needing a guy with high velo to kind of help take the pressure off of the Simber Mazer Romano train. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't put him in high leverage. Not yet. Yet. Um, but but I, he, I, he represents a, a lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah, I for like sure. That. Yeah, and like. People are gonna say, "Oh, well, he hasn't given up any like really, really anything yet." But like his strikeouts per nine, um, have are like a, at low, like low end, like thirteen and a half over the last two seasons. That's wild. At each level, he's been at. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah. the guy, the guy checks it. He's he's got a good breaking pitch too. Uh, not sure if it's a slider or a curve. It's kind of in, in betweener. But yeah, definitely a guy that I'm keeping my eye on. I was surprised as I was looking through the Bison's roster and the statistics, and I saw his name there, and I was like, wasn't he in Dunedin last year? Then I realized that he had pitched at three different levels last year. It kind of flew under the radar a little bit for me. Um, yeah, same, for sure. Last guy I want to highlight in Buffalo, there's a lot of guys in Buffalo that I want to talk about because there's there's some guys who have good seasons, is Matt Gage. He's a left-handed relief pitcher. He's 29, so he's another, another veteran guy. He's never played in the bigs, though, Patrick, which I thought was interesting. He's 6'3", 265, so he's a beast on the mound. He's been closing some games for Buffalo. He's got three saves for them already this season in uh, three opportunities. Um, he's actually uh, a, a draft pick of the Giants way back in 2014. Um, he's from New York originally, uh, upstate New York. But uh, he's kind of pitched all over the place. He was in the Pacific Coast League with Reno last year, which I believe is was an Oakland's team at the time. I'm not sure who they're with now, the Reno Aces. Um, and didn't have a great time there. The PCL is a batter's ballpark, though. Or a batter's um, division. Uh, with Buffalo so far this year, he's pitched in 10 innings, Patrick. He's struck out 15, only walked two. Mm. Um, he's given up five or two runs, but they're both unearned. Five hits, no home runs allowed yet. That was an issue for him last year was the home run ball. But he's a guy who's another guy who's striking out a lot of batters, and he's lefty. So, I mean, if Sacedo were to struggle, uh, or whoever else we have throwing left, Andrew Vasquez, I think I, I'm surprised that Matt Gage isn't getting more of a look. The issue, of course, for him is that he's not on the 40-man. And they need to see him sustain 
what he's doing over a period of time. This is this is by far the best stretch of minor league baseball that he's had. So the sample size is really small. But I wanted to highlight it just so the fact that next time we do this, we can look back at it and see if, if he's still doing well. Interesting. Yeah, it, he is interested. And at 29, he's, you know, seven years older than Hernandez. Who... Yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely got that veteran. He's been around, so. <laughs> well, season. I am interested to see how they what they do with, with the bullpen arms in Buffalo, or at least transitioning them from Buffalo to Toronto, because we've got some chronic underachievers on our bullpen right now that are yeah are costing us actual like runs yeah and losses. So I I'm sorry to say, but I think the Julian Merriweather saga is, is coming close to an end. He can't seem to put together more than two appearances in a row. Yeah, I'm uh, with you there, buddy. With a clean sheet, I, I just I, I don't know what it is. But it's just not happening with him. So overall, Buffalo seems to be a good spot for us to pilfer uh, to kind of boost. There, there is some good depth available in the upper minors. How that depth is going to translate to the bigs, of course, we don't know. It's yeah, it's impossible to know. But it is worth noting that our the our prospect depth, while it is obviously less than what it used to be um, it's still there they're still uh, yeah the the, the uh, minor league team in buffalo is still competitive and there's still some arms uh, and some bats worth keeping an eye on how are our beloved fisher cats <laughs> yeah the best social media team in the league uh, new, new hampshire fisher cats in double a uh their season's off to a kind of a slow start um in terms of standings wise they're 12 and 14 right now they're already five games back of somerset which is the yankees farm team they're in fourth in the northeast in the northeast division of the eastern league as of now uh they have a zero run differential so they're they're kind of getting they're they're scoring a lot of runs but they're also giving up quite a few um only four players i want to highlight at this division right now just because i was looking through and i was like man a lot of these guys just haven't played a ton yet Elvis Martinez is one of them. Obviously, people are screaming for him, which after you talk about his current statistics, you'll probably stop screaming. The The good news is, is that Elvis is still hitting bombs. He's got eight home runs in his first 85 at-bats after hitting Wild. 28 home runs last year. So the home run power is there. The bad news, Patrick Marsh, the strikeouts are there too. He's got 30 strikeouts and 85 at-bats oh, to only four not... walks. So... That's the bad news is the strikeouts have remained. Last year he went 113 to 43 strikeouts to walks. This year he's already like, he's like seven and a half to one right now, which is bad. So he's he hasn't really adapted to double A pitching yet. The Jays are challenging him. Last year he was in low and high A and they moved him to double A this year. I'll be curious to see if they keep him there, if the strikeouts continue to climb as they are. He's only hitting 212 with a 272 on base. The OPS is at 801, which is, of course, carried by the slugging percentage. Uh, he's got those eight dingers, but only three doubles um, so far. So if it's not a bomb, it's probably a strikeout right now for Elvis, which is too bad. Uh, the, still of course, early. The, yeah, still early. Defensively, he's a shortstop. He's played 13 games there, also eight games at third base. He's got five errors at short already, Patrick. 
and and one at third. So Arevas is still very much in development, and the kid's 20. He's 20 playing at double A. The Jays haven't had a person yet that young at double A since Vladdy and Bo. So he is a, a highly coveted and highly valued prospect in this organization, and that's why they are challenging him. But right now, I, I'm of the opinion that it might be too much of a challenge, and he may be better served in Vancouver. But it's hard to say. I mean, he's making errors in the field. He's striking out a ton. Those are the negatives. Hitting bombs, but that's really about all he's doing offensively right now. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but like he's he's definitely seeing better pitching quality in Double A than he would in in, in Vancouver. It the, the strikeouts are the biggest concern. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Batting it's average. Tough to have a guy who strikes out close to forty percent of the time. Move up yeah, levels. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't. I, I obviously I can't really give any sort of insight. Yeah. On, uh, statistical. That's measurements, but what I would say is that generally speaking a, a player at 20 who he was off to a much hotter start before he had cooled off and yeah the strikeouts came in an alarming velocity it might be one of those things where he needs to sort of refocus on the fundamentals uh, mm-hmm. of contact hitting I, I don't know because we don't watch Arelvis play a lot yeah or at all at all <laughs> um but you can kind of see it in the numbers um yeah. He's swinging for the fences. It's worth noting that his BABIP so far this season is only 213, very low. So there's That's very low. There should be some positive runs. regression in his batting average. But he also needs to start putting ball more balls in play for that to happen. You can't strike out 35% of your bats and hope to have uh, a good uh, a good BABIP. Tell me about the other shortstop in New Hampshire. Yes. So Tanner other, Morris. Yes. Tanner Morris. Interesting guy, uh, playing in some third base and some short for the Fisher Cats. Obviously, him and Elvis are kind of splitting that time. He's played. He actually hasn't played shortstop at all this year. He's played eleven games at third and nine at second, plus some DH mm-hmm. time. I think they're kind of giving Elvis most of the shortstop opportunities, which is fair. Um, but Tanner Morris, he's a Jays draft pick in twenty nineteen in the fifth round. So a pretty high draft pick. He's from Virginia originally. Uh, but he's hitting 312, Patrick. Last year for Vancouver, he hit 285. Uh, only had seven bombs. He's a, he's more of a contact hitter. This year, he is hitting 312, like I mentioned, with a 942 OPS. That's really, really good. He's only got five extra base hits. Four of them are home runs. One of them is a triple, so he hasn't had any doubles yet. But he's got 24 hits in total. The big thing for me, a 448 on base percentage. He's walked 18 times, only struck out 16 so far. So he's walked more times than he's struck out. Um, he's a, a a lefty bat, throws right-handed, but we know what we're always looking for lefty bats in this organization. And uh, as of now, has only made one error in the field, and that was at third base. So well, this is as good a start as he could ask for, really. It's insanely good. It's definitely probably putting him on the radar as a 24-year-old, three years out of his draft now, as of this summer. So, I mean, for him, it's it's interesting to see. He did go to college in Virginia, too, so he's, not one, of those, he's one of those college guys. And I, I love college guys, whether they're pitchers, especially pitchers, but batters, too, because they just have... They've had some years of, like, really good instruction outside of high school, right? So they're, they're familiar with 
more of the science of the sport than they would be just as a high school player. So uh, a guy who is really advanced in terms of his his numbers in the minor leagues year over year so far. So another guy to keep an eye on. In my opinion, like this is another infielder that could make his way uh, into the conversation in the next couple of years. I could see him, if he continues to hit this, if his stat line or his slash doesn't change uh, by mid-June, if it stays plus or minus 5% the same, I could see him getting a call to AAA. Yeah, the, of course Very the quickly. issue is that there's a lot of guys in AAA that need playing time as well. Jordan Groshans being one of them on that left side. But he is playing some second base, which of course could be a need for the Blue Jays at some point. So It'd be worth fast-tracking Tanner Morris, though, into AAA to let him see some more diverse pitching if he's hitting that well. But again, we need to see what he does you know, a month and a half from now. Yeah. Uh, if he's still hitting that well, then I think he the promotion's got to happen because what's yep. the point of hitting like flashing 492 in, or 942 in, in AA. Yeah, you I know. know. you got to give them the promo. I think you're right. Um, so a couple pitchers that I want to talk about in AA as well, too, quickly. Uh, Nick Fraze, I'm sure that's how you say it, but he's from Dallas, Texas. Another guy from that 2019 draft class. He's a 22nd round pick, though, 657th overall. A Texas State grad, or not grad, but Texas State pitcher. Um, another college guy. He's a starter in New Hampshire. His record is one and two right now, Patrick, but he's got a two fifty five ERA. Um, the good thing, the good news for him is he's struck out twenty guys and has walked four. Oh, so far, that's good. So twenty four innings, just about a strikeout per inning. Uh, interesting guy. He's a he's a righty, six three one eighty. So he hasn't really filled out yet. He's kind of a gangly guy. Um, so I'm, I'm uncertain of how his numbers are going to pan out. There weren't too many pitchers with any good with, with good enough numbers in Double A for me to actually put in here. I didn't want to put like a bunch of poo poo in here. I was, I was trying to make yep. this a highlight of guys who are doing well. <laughs> so I put in I put in Nick here because I thought that it was worth noting um, that he's had a couple of good years in the Jays minor league system. Now he didn't end up his season in New Hampshire last year. Didn't do super great there in the five games that he pitched in. But after a couple of years in Vancouver, it was time to challenge him. So it's going to be curious to see how he continues to, to develop. He gets more ground balls than fly balls. His whip is under one. So, I mean, he's doing everything well to start the season. He's definitely been uh, kind of very reliable for the Fisher Cats. Yep, absolutely. He had two great starts to start the year, and then three, or well, two that were a little bit shaky at the end of April. Yeah. Uh, and he was solid in, on May the 4th. Um, yeah. I, I'm interested to see how his season pans out. It's another one of those, let's see where he is 45 days from now. Um, pitchers, man, can always use more pitching. Uh, and a righty who can chuck and give us quality innings, I'll take it. We've yes. got some very vulnerable spots in our bullpen. Uh, although Doug making the jump from double A to the show is, is unlikely. We'll see these guys, if they continue to be successful, uh, get a promotion. Tell me about Joey Murray. Yeah, so Joey Murray is a guy who is kind of battling back for some injuries. He only pitched uh, two and two-thirds of an inning last season. But he's off to a rough start with the Fisher Cats. He's currently actually on the seven-day injured list. He was a draft pick in 2018 by the Jays in the eighth round uh, out of Kent State. 
but he's a guy who I put in here who's kind of off to a poo-poo start. So he's hurt now. Hopefully he heals soon. But in his first 20 innings, Patrick, his ERA was close to 8. Oh. The issue for him is was walks and home runs. So in those 20 innings, <laughs> gave up six hit, 16 hits, 18 earned runs, 4 home runs, thir- 13 walks to only 23 strikeouts, also hit 3 batters. So definitely some control issues there. I'm surprised they put him in double A, to be completely honest with you, just based on the fact that he's kind of working his way back. I would have rather have saw him in Vancouver, but again, what do I know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, hopefully he heals up, but yeah, off to a rough start. He's a guy who's in the top 30 prospects for the Jays, so you hope that he uh, sorts that out soon. Yep. I would agree. I don't have anything to add to that. Yeah, there, uh, I just that. wanted to put him in there because people always ask about the top 30 prospects. So. <laughs> Let's talk uh, about Vancouver. Going to Vancouver. The Canadians playing back at Nat Bailey Stadium in Vancouver this year, which is great to see. They're currently Yay. sitting at 12-12. and 12. Just like the Fisher Cats, the run differential is 0, 112 for, 112 against. They're actually playing versus Everett Silvertips right now. Not Silvertips, but the, that's the hockey team. <laughs> the dust out the no. it's the no, everett the uh oh man what is their name they changed their name recently i can't remember what it is aquasox i think something like that yes yeah yes. crazy names in the, in the minor leagues but anyways hands are 12 and 12 to start the year uh, a bunch of guys to talk about here i i had a hard time narrowing it down so i put a bunch in here again uh okay, I but, pick one for us to talk about right off the bat pick them it's a, this is it. This, this came up in our prospect uh, talk. Uh, the guy we expected most likely to not succeed was Sam Roberts, <laughs> uh, the Dutch twenty-year-old. Yeah, uh, off to a decent start in Great Vancouver. Start. Great tell, start. Tell us about Sam Roberts. Yeah, so I'm glad he's trying to prove us wrong, and so far doing so. But he's pitched in 22 innings and four starts so far, Patrick. 21 strikeouts, only three walks. That's the great news. More great news, only one home run given up. He's dead even in terms of ground balls to fly outs right now. Uh, or ground outs to fly outs. Giving up 17 hits. So it's a good thing he's not walking people like he did last year because the whip would be high. He's coming off a 1.39 whip last year, which his strikeouts were 90 to 38. So he's on pace to shatter his strikeout total from last year which is great news. He should probably also throw 120, 130 innings this year, which would be great if he keeps up his current pace. Uh, A guy who's a righty, Jays signed him out of the Netherlands, obviously. He's 20 years old, playing in high A, 6'1", 160. So again, he's a really skinny dude. But yeah, I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. The BAPIP is low. It's only at 258. So it's one thing I, I see as a potential worrisome thing. But the hits, the walks per nine, they're both down. So that's a good. That's the good news. Yeah, not really. Uh, not really either. A ground out or dead even. Yeah. Arrow kind of guy. So it's it's hard to say what he's even going to be as yep. a starter. So I think he. It's another one of those. Let's see how he how he is in forty five days. I'm kind of excited to see. Um, Tell me about Adam Klaffenstein, who we've talked about on this podcast many times over the yeah. last 
three years. Uh, how's how's Cloth doing? Yeah, so King Cloth uh, has man his his issue in the minors so far has been walks. He's he's had a couple of good outings this year so far. Uh, in his last outing, which was actually yesterday, he was able to go five innings. Gave up two runs. Only one of them was earned. Struck out six and walked two, which was great. That was against Everett. Um, he's had a couple other good outings this year where he's only given up like one walk or no walks. So the walks are definitely down for him overall, which is, is which is great to see. Uh, he's at 27 strikeouts to only seven walks so far this year. Still giving up a boatload of hits, though. He's given up 24 hits in 22 innings. That's his issue. Four of them, again, being home runs. So when he get when he does get hit, it seems to be leaving the yard. Um, but yeah, for him, it's a, it's it's just a location issue. The the scouts that we've we've seen takes from have all talked about how he's got this stuff to succeed. He's just got to figure out the location, and get that ball down on the zone. He seems to pitch up a lot right down the middle, <laughs> Meatball City. You know, for all the years, twenty one years old, talk- by the way. We've been talking about him since he was drafted. Yeah, him and Groshans went back to back in that draft. Um, there was a lot of well, I think I had a lot of hype for him. He had a disastrous twenty twenty one. Yeah, he he had a rough twenty twenty one for sure. It doesn't seem to be getting better. Yeah, it's it is uh, it's a bit concerning. He's been to Vancouver for the last three minor league seasons, around the twenty twenty no season, but. Yeah, definitely having some struggles. <laughs> Do you think maybe at some point the Jays will untether themselves from from Klopfenstein, uh and perhaps use him uh, in some sort of minor league swap? Maybe give him a fresh perspective elsewhere. What maybe. is it that he's? What is it that you think is missing? He's only twenty one, so I think it's just time. Yeah. Um, I would agree. Again, not having the ability to watch him without paying for a subscription service that we just don't have time to watch. (laughs) It's like, it's hard to say what's missing. You can look at the numbers and say like, oh, well, it's this. He's just to stop walking people. Yeah, that's, that's easier said than done, right? But for me, I think it's just the fact that he's just got to get some more time in. And he's 21 years old, so he's still got plenty of time. Yeah, not everybody who gets drafted uh, immediately starts an MLB. In fact, yeah. it's probably like a zero percent. Yeah, um, or something close to it. Yeah. I thought it was worth bringing up Adam Klausenstein because we've talked about him so many freaking times. Yeah, um, um, the guy I do want to talk about here too is Leo Jimenez, aka the on base god. Um, last year, if you remember correctly, he hit three twenty and had a five twenty three on base. Across two levels, that was with Bluefield in the Rookie League, or the Blue, the Blue Jays Rookie League Complex, and then also in 54 games with Dunedin in single That's A. Sick. Yeah. yeah. So far this year, he's he's struggling offensively with his batting average. That's partly due to a 255 BABIP, so again, some balls that haven't found some holes. Low BABIP seems to be a theme as everyone is just shifting the fuck out of everybody right now. Can't wait for the shift to get banned. Um, it'll bring back offense to baseball again. But Jimenez so far is only hitting 210. But the good news, Patrick, is he's still got a 375 on base percentage. <laughs> so that's 
still not still the on base god. Uh, 15 strikeouts to 11 walks, so still pretty much dead even there. He did walk more times than he struck out last year, but he's also at high A now, so better pitching. Um, one dinger so far, four four doubles and 13 hits total in 62 at-bats, so it's still super early for him. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's a guy we'll keep an eye out. I expect that average to be much higher than 210 the next time we do this. Yeah, and he's the first player from Panama, I think, that we've discussed on our podcast uh, in terms of prospects. Yeah. Kinda, it's kind of so. cool. You look at our prospect pool, and you've got a lot of players from Venezuela, Mexico, uh, the Netherlands, Panama. Yeah. A lot of really interesting additions to the barrio uh, over <laughs> the years, I think. We're, we're a very international team, which yes. I really like. Yes. Um. Uh, Can we talk about Chad Dallas? Yeah, I was just going to say, I want to talk about the greatest name in minor league baseball right now, Chad Dallas. Uh, He is from Texas. (laughs) Uh, He's drafted last year, the fourth round by the Blue Jays. He's 21 years old, went to Tennessee for a couple years, uh, played some college ball. For for Chad, off to a a, a decent start for his first season in the minor leagues. through 16 and two-thirds innings so far, he's walked nine, hit two batters, and struck out 21. So the walks are a little high. He's given up a couple of dingers already. It's really been a, a kind of the tale of a couple of bad starts for him. His first time out, he was brilliant. He went five innings, walked one, struck out eight against Tri-City in his first game out. And then he had a couple of stinkers. He gave a couple home runs in his next game. His last game that he started against Everett yesterday, the Canadians played a doubleheader yesterday. Um, he walked five and struck out five over four innings. Only gave up two hits, didn't give up any earned runs, but it's kind of just a little bit of a control thing every now and then with him. But out, outside of those five walks yesterday, he's got four walks on the season. So it's just kind of one bad start. But a big guy, he's, he's, a, he's not a big guy. He's 5'11", 206. This is a smaller stature compared to the Klaffensteins of the world who are like 6'4", and 250. So... Uh, but yeah, great name, um, high high draft pick, fourth round last year. So a guy to keep an eye on for sure as he makes his minor league debut in in this in uh, in high a high able already. Yeah, I wish I had more to add. I just like his name. <laughs> yeah, it's a sweet name. The last guy I want to I'll, I'll skip a couple here, but I want to talk about Trevor Schweck. He's a guy who I have no idea who the hell he is. But another guy from that 2019 draft class, we've had a few of those show up already today. Uh, a Blue Jays draft pick back in 2019 in the 13th round. He did play some college some college ball at Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Um, this year he started in Vancouver after finishing there last season. Last year his total season slash was 214, 389, 268 for his 657 OPS. So not a lot of power in his bat. This year, he's showed some power so far, Patrick. In his first 50 at-bats, he's got three home runs already. Uh, and he's also walked eight times to only 12 strikeouts and is hitting 280 as with his batting average. That is not unexpected. His BABIP is 314. Last year, it was 324. So he's putting the ball in play a very... Uh, are getting the same amount of, of batted ball average as he did last year, but his, his average is just much higher because he's hitting the ball harder and and higher he's already got three doubles last season he had three doubles total in the 56 at bats he's got about the same amount of at bats he did all of last season after the draft 
So he's not mashing the ball into the dirt like he did last year. His yes, ground you can, out to air yeah. out his, it went from two point five seven yeah. to zero point eight five so far this year. So clearly, yeah, he he a came big change in his he throat. came straight to the minors after his draft, which you don't see a ton of guys get a lot of playing time after the draft. But he's a guy who kind of did come in a little bit, which is nice to see. But this will be his first full season with uh, with Vancouver High A. He did play short season there back in uh, 2019. So we should see 400 at-bats from, uh, from, from Mr. Schweck this year. He's a guy who's a shortstop. Uh, he does play also first base, third base, second base, and left field, as well as right field. He hasn't actually played a game at shortstop yet this year. It's another super utility guy. Uh, has made only one error so far this season that was playing third base so they're going to play him all over the diamond and as long as he keeps hitting like he is they'll probably play him pretty much every day because he's going to be one of the centerpieces on their lineup so i'm really just curious to see if these power numbers hold up just based on the fact that his slugging percentage is over double of what it was last year early on anyway through the same amount of that bats though as it was as he had last year yeah i don't i don't know if that's sustainable but i mean it, he's another he's, guy again yeah and he's 24 uh, now right so he's probably right. added some added some poundage to his body some muscle anyway he seems primed to get a promo by like midsummer the problem yeah. is there's such a log jam in the middle infield this uh organization yeah. that there's just so many fucking guys i don't know how, <laughs> how you can leave him though uh if he continues this clip into june yeah you, you can't justify keeping him in in single a he's gonna get a promo for sure uh inevitably yeah but, uh, yeah let's um the is last there anybody else i'm gonna want... talk about three guys from the needed and then we'll wrap things up um so this is down in single a in the florida coast league the Florida State League now. They went back to the old league, which is great. Uh, so Dunedin is off to a shaky start. They're 9-18 and 18 so far. Oof. Um, and, yeah, I don't even know what, to, what that contributes out to, but the, their pitching staff hasn't been great so far. Outside of the future of everybody's Toronto Blue Jays is Ricky Tiedemann. He's a big lefty, Patrick. He's 6'4", 220. Holy shit. Um, yeah, he's, he's basically me but left-handed. And he's, he's 19 years old. The Blue Jays drafted him in the third round last year. And he is laying the world on fire in, in single A right now. He's thrown 25 innings through five starts. Struck out 39 in those 25 innings. And has walked 12. That's a K's per nine of 14. So that's pretty good. Uh, looking at some game logs for him. He last pitched a couple of days ago against Clearwater. He went five innings, gave up two earned runs on three hits, two walks, a hit batter, and struck out six. The game before that on April 29th, Patrick, against Bradleton, uh, five innings, no hits, no walks, nine strikeouts. So that was like peak Ricky Tiedem in there. And yeah, he's he's definitely a guy to watch for just because of the fact that he's just a, he's a monster of a left-hander. I'm not sure what his velos are, but there's always every time he pitches, it seems like prospect accounts on Twitter are just like on the edge of their seats. So this kid's definitely getting some hype. So watch for him. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, he's only 19, so like a, he was a high no, school draft pick. Yep. There's not even a rush to like promote him or anything like that. So if he keeps chucking like this, 
Yeah. He'll probably spend the whole year down there. Yes, I would be Dunedin. surprised to see him get out of Dunedin. Um, Vancouver at the best, but I, I would like to just see him pitch in that warm weather Florida league and just see how he does. Yeah, just keep, keep him up. down there at the player development complex too. The best place to keep those young players is right down there in Florida because they have such a great complex now. Um, I want to talk about Yosver Zuleta next. He's a guy who the Jays were able to sign um, out of Cuba, I believe. Yeah, out of Cuba. He is on a rehab assignment with single A Dunedin right now. I'm assuming he'll probably go to Vancouver when he's done. But he uh, he kind of he blew out his arm um, in 2021 after the th- only throwing like three pitches. Uh, this year so far, he's started two games. Has gone a total of seven and a third innings. He throws gas. Like this is a guy who can touch triple digits. Uh, 13 strikeouts. In those seven and a third innings, three walks and a couple of hit batters. So just a young young guy. He's pretty wild at this point. He's 24 years old, but he's kind of just one of those guys who obviously defected from Cuba and was signed by the Blue Jays, and just he's just a flamethrower. So always curious to watch how these guys develop. I just find like I find Cuban baseball players so fascinating because you see guys like the Guriels come out of there and just they're just outstanding ball players. And Yasiel Puig was another guy, right? It's just like you get some great baseball players who come out of Cuba. And that's why I have this guy on my radar. <laughs> There's no stats really to talk about, but he throws hard. So, Yeah, there, I'm kind of, the thing that interests me uh, about our, our low A is mm-hmm. that you get a Ricky Tiedemann who gets a lot of attention, and then there are other players who just, are very they just quietly perform yeah and we don't talk about them very much yeah connor larkin (coughs) good start for him he was a draft pick from last year if some of you recall if you like digging deep he was a ninth round pick penn state uh now he's in the fsl he's off to a decent start in an otherwise dismal start he's a Uh, relief pitcher by the way uh, yeah, I I, 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 mean, I love talking about relief pitchers. I wish we had more to talk about when it comes to him, but there, I feel like this is going to be a year where we see a significant amount of upheaval mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in our minor league systems. We're going to see a lot of dudes uh, get promotions really, really quick. Um, so uh, some guys. I think I don't know. I feel like Tiedemann is is gonna get bumped up to Vancouver. Yeah, um, I could see that happen. The last guy that I want to talk about today before we wrap things up is Adriel Sotolongo, another Cuban that's playing with the Blue Jays in Dunedin. Just like Zuleta, he's 24 years old. They're both born in '98, and he did play with the he did play a little bit with Dunedin last year. Only got into 11 at-bats in three games, but he's playing there full-time now this season. is off to a really good start, Patrick. He's so far slashing 284, 400, 493 for an OPS of 893. He's got three dingers in his first 67 at-bats, 19 hits in total, five doubles. He's walked 12 times and struck out only 18. Not a stolen base threat. He doesn't have any attempts yet this year, but so far he's doing really well and, and putting the ball in play quite a bit. Uh, in the field, he's played games in at first base, third base, 
and in right field so far. Uh, has one error playing right field of all things, but isn't it was drafted as a or not drafted but signed by the Jays as an infielder as a third baseman primarily. So be curious to see how a full season of of ball kind of goes for him. He's only had before this year ninety four at bats in the minors. So I'm I'm really curious to see how uh, how things go for him in the full season. But a, a guy who has shown some pop so far early in the year. And a pretty good eye at the plate. So another guy to keep an eye on that that could these these Cuban guys could move up quickly just given their age. So watch for that. Yeah, probably more advanced than Yeah, more advanced than their than their minor league records would show you just because there there aren't any. We don't really have we don't have stats from their Cuban baseball days. Cause Cuba. Yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, but yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about today. There's a lot of players, a lot of names, a lot of new names that we hadn't mentioned before. A lot of draft picks from the last couple of years of draft classes. Lots of guys from that 2019 class, which I found interesting. It's three years out from for them now. They'll be their anniversary of their draft this year. So uh, kind of seeing that that three-year sort of window between draft and and development happening. So it's interesting to know that. But yeah, that's what I want to talk about today. <laughs> we talked about a lot of players, but ultimately, let's just drop a couple names in here for the players we want to pay the most attention to uh, a month and a half from now. Sure. Uh, pick one pitcher and one hitter. Just overall? Yep. Okay, well, I want to see if Gabe Marino starts hitting for power. Mm. And I also yep. want to see um, how how Ricky Tiedemann is doing from here either Ricky Tiedemann or Adam Quaffenstein I want to see if he can find some control yep uh for me it's Samad Taylor for obvious reasons that we have already discussed Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd like to see the average come up if he continues to to hit the ball hard uh, I mean I gotta I feel like time's running out for some of these uh bench players yeah in Toronto we need more production than what we're getting and it's it time is coming logan warmoth will get the call uh nathan lucas is probably going to get the call will samad taylor get his shot it's hard to say obviously we don't want to see any injuries to any of our regulars no uh god forbid we've already been dealing with that uh the tremendous number of yeah we, we want to see these guys uh fight their way onto the roster yeah, I think the first out of those three to get the call will probably be Logan Warmoth. But I am interested to see if Samad Taylor gets a shot. And if he does, can he make the magic happen the same way he did last year um, in the minor leagues? And if I have to pick a pitcher, uh, let's go with Sam Roberts mm-hmm. uh, because he had proven us wrong. Uh, so far. <laughs> so far. Uh, I'd like to see him continue the success. So 45 days from now, so we'll say... Probably close to Canada Day, we'll check back in with our minor league teams yeah. and Semrel Bears and the gang and see what comes of it, see who is performing, who has regressed to the mean, so to speak. Uh, any final thoughts as far as expectations go for the minor league teams? They all seem to be hovering around 500 yeah, with the exception of the Dunedin team. I don't really look at records for minor league teams. That's not what they're there for. Obviously, it's great if they're winning lots. It gives it gives guys a taste of winning. But at the end of the day, it's about 
overall development of individual players. So, yeah, I, I, I don't have expectations at all for the minor league teams. They could lose every game, and I, don't, I wouldn't care as long as the players that need to develop are developing. Yeah, well, I say that's true at the same time. It's nice to see them have see some success. And, yeah. Uh, in recent years, uh, you get very close to championships and things like that. Um, yeah. I just want to see some of these young players get a chance uh, and maybe overachieve in the majors. I don't know why. I just I always root for the minor leaguer guys uh, to get the promo. I don't like it when it's like a slam dunk. Uh, not to say that I don't like Vladdy. I, obviously, I do. Uh, I like it when a guy has to like just like go through the full development process, mm-hmm. which is why I'm such a huge fan of Jordan Groshen. I'm really excited to see whether or not he uh, you know earns that third base. Uh, title two years from now when Matt Chapman's contract is up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just have really high hopes for a lot of our prospects. And I think, I I don't know that we see Gabe Moreno this year. I think he might probably has, he probably has to wait another year. They're, he's he's got to start hitting for power again. Yeah. They're going to give Danny and Kirk like an infinite amount of, uh, runway to get it figured out, uh, especially given the fact that Danny's trying to work through, uh, you know, pretty shitty oblique injury that's kind of ruined yeah. the start of his season. Um, that pro- I guess that means Heinemann will probably see uh, a, uh, a demotion when yeah. the rosters contract. So it'll be interesting to see who they keep with three-man bench. you got to think Kevin Vigio when he's ready to return. Uh, we'll take up one of those slots. Yeah, Vinny Capra will go back down when Biggio comes up off the Capra will list. go back down, and then I guess Zimmer, Zimmer's Zimmer's time is numbered. His days are numbered. <laughs> yeah, Ramiel Tapia is probably done enough to to hold on to a roster spot. Oh, for sure. Now. Yeah, Ramiel Tapia is not going anywhere. But if I mean, if his average goes sub Mendoza, I don't see why. If he has options, I don't see why you don't opt yeah. him down. Yeah. Or even wave them. They got yeah. both those guys for very little. Yeah, I mean, for um, Randall Grichik, but... <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, like... Yeah, I, don't, I, I understand know, people are, saying, people, Yeah, people... Grichik wasn't going to play on this team this year. He was going to get traded. He always was going to get traded. Yeah. The, he was very kind and generous uh, in interviews after the fact about speaking very positively about Toronto and the fact that he wanted people to remember he had played as hard as he could. And I absolutely think he did. A hundred percent. For sure. Great guy to have in the clubhouse. The way that things turned out, I wish it, you know, hindsight being what it is, if we had kept him, would we have won more games? Probably. But he wants to be an everyday outfielder and he wasn't going to be that in Toronto. No. So all the people saying, oh, I wish we had Randall Gritchick. Why do we trade him for nothing? It's like the the team did him a kindness by trading him to a team where he could be an everyday player. Also, you don't want to pay $10 million for a bench player. No. And that was what Randall Gritchick was probably going to end up being. Yeah. was a late-inning replacement like Ramiel Tapia or a guy who'd come off the bench. Because he wasn't going to DH every game. He was, you know... That's not what he's there for. He's an outfielder who has to play every day in order to, you know, stay good at the plate. And this team is built to have 
the DH be a revolving door of players? Everybody has utility. Except for Randall Gritchick. So, and Teoscar Hernandez, I guess, doesn't have as much. But, like, it's either Teoscar Hernandez DHing or it's one of, like, six other guys who could do it because we have enough utility. Yeah. Right? Sure. Can't have two outfielders who can only play outfield and DH. George Springer is an everyday outfielder, so he will play almost every game, unless it's raining, I guess, is what we will learn this week. Um, but yeah, other guys can play all over the diamond. So you can only hold so many roster spots to guys who have limited utility. So they did a kindness to Randall Gritchick. So be happy that he's a starter somewhere else, and don't be sour about the fact that he's doing well somewhere else uh, when we're losing games. This team will bounce back. I guarantee it. Here, here, folks. Patrick Marsh guarantee. That's my rant. Uh, do you have any final thoughts, whether it's on Randall Gritchick or this team so far? No. Uh, and, okay. <laughs> no, I don't. I, uh, I'm i curious to see how these games in New York go. And then obviously having three in Tampa, that's going to be a real indicator on how much of an impact the return of Teoscar Hernandez makes to this team. What's just, your what's your projected what do you expect to how do you expect to perform in the I don't have team? expectations. So I don't want to be disappointed. Okay. I just if hope you, they start I just hope they start hitting with runners in scoring position. That's all I want to see. It's just more so timely they could basis. Go five, but if they if, if they're Yeah, if they lose eleven to ten every game, I'm just gonna be happy that they're scoring runs and I'd be really mad about the pitching. Okay. But that's, I'm just I just want to see right. how the team performs now that they're closer to full health. Yep. I'm That's with all. you. I will add on top of that that I would like it. These are going to be five very very fucking tough games. I would be yep. satisfied with 3 and 2. Okay. Uh 2 and 3 I would also be okay with. It's they're tough games. Yep. Um this team is going to float at 500 until it starts scoring runs. So until it starts doing that, the expectations are low. Yep. Uh, again, 30 games into the year, it's early. This team, as long as they're within three games of 500, 120 games into the season, there's still a lot of time on the clock. So, you know, Bo will figure it out. Vladdy will get hot again. They, all these guys can't underperform this dramatically for – an entire 162-game season. If there is, then they were injured the entire time. There's some or something weird is happening. Yeah, like spitefulness. I don't yeah. know, but they're not. It's not going to happen. So I guarantee you, probably by early June, this team will catch fire, and you, you know Kevin Gossman will be just untouchable, more so than he is already. There you go. Okay. <laughs> well, you're here, here, folks. Uh, lots of stuff happened today. Jays dropped a series to Cleveland. Off day tomorrow. Two games in New York. Big farm report. We'll come back with another one in a month and a half or so. We'll see where, where the schedule lies. The Jays, easier to do these things on times when we have off days coming up because it gives us time to prepare for stuff. But yeah, we'll be back after the Yankees series, either Wednesday night after the day game is over or on the off day on Thursday. That gives us plenty of flexibility. We'll get you previewed for Tampa. We'll recap the Yankee games. 
and we'll go from there. Hopefully there's some good news on the injury front. We'll see how the Jays handle Hunjin Ryu. He did make one rehab start yesterday. Decent. Got beat up by some errors. Denny Jansen should be going on rehab assignments soon. So this team could be back to full health in a couple of weeks, which would be great to see. But you can find us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Send us some questions. Let us know if there's any prospects that you think we missed today. We're on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Find all the shows, bfmdpodcast.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Long one for you, about an hour and a half. You can leave us a review if you can, or a star rating. Help more people find us. Get our words in the ears of more Blue Jay fans. Always appreciated. For Patrick, out in Halifax, Justin, here in Saskatoon. We'll see you next time.